0: You actually don't realize that you're not thinking about your bank account. You're not thinking about maybe what happened on the battlefield. You're not thinking about the past and the future. How does my body feel? What is it doing? You're thinking about right now.
1: So back on the show today is Dr. Dan Bornstein. Dan's a professor in the Department of Health and Human Performance at the Military College of South Carolina, more commonly known as the Citadel. He is also the director of the Center of Performance, Readiness, Resiliency, and Recovery, referred to as CPR3 in the show. In this conversation, we talk about how military training is starting to really evolve, and specifically on having a whole-body integrated approach. Much of that has been influenced by how top sports athletes employ different modalities in their training, like yoga, and how that had an initial influence on the special operations teams, which are sort of the elite athletes of the military, and how it's now flowing into all members of the military. In fact, the Department of Defense has a new program called Total Force Fitness, which Dan talks about how these programs are really focusing on improving holistic health and fitness in a number of different domains, fitness, spiritual, cognitive, behavioral, et cetera. Anyhow, we also talk about the benefits of yoga, specifically how yoga can help increase your energy levels and also help you kind of balance out your energy levels. If you need to bring your energy level down, there's different types of yoga. So we talk briefly about that. And then we also talk about flexibility, improving soft tissue health and strength, building a lot of that strength of not your fast twitch fibers, which Dan talks about those anaerobic fibers, but also the slow-twitch aerobic fibers that really are important for creating long-term health with stability and posture. It's a great conversation. It's a little technical, but I found it super interesting, and I'm really glad Dan came back on the show, and I know you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Dan Bornstein, great to see you again. Thanks for coming back to the show.
0: Thanks for having me back. Derek, really excited to have a chance to reconnect and continue our
1: conversation. So for those of you who are listening to your first talk with Dan, we did a conversation in episode six where Dan shared more of his muscular skeletal history and background and how Anusara yoga helped him with his path. And this conversation is more focused on Dan's perspective and experience doing a lot of research and training with the military. As Dan is a professor at the Citadel with a focus on exercise science. This conversation is going to be really about where and how is the military using modalities like yoga to better prepare not only our military but sort of tactical folks in the field as well. So Dan, let's get into it. We've talked quite a bit offline about your background and focused and maybe just start at a super high level quick what is CPR 3 and what's happening right now with the military.
0: Yeah, sure. I'm with the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. And probably the biggest hat that I wear there is that I run a center called the Center for Performance, Readiness, Resiliency, and Recovery, as you abbreviated CPR3. And that center is really focused on improving the performance, readiness, resiliency, and recovery. In other words, the fitness, if you think of fitness really holistically, physical, mental, spiritual, cognitive, and so on, it's about improving the fitness of our military service members, our cadets veterans and first responders. So these are individuals who serve or have served. And for them, the wins and losses are often defined in terms of life and death and not just a W or an L in the column. So it's really important that we ensure that those folks are ready to go. So that center has academic programs. So we have degree programs that are focused on train the trainer, sort of developing individuals who are prepared to train those quote-unquote tactical athletes. And then we also have a whole area of the center that's devoted to research and a third area that's devoted to community engagement. So working directly with those service members, first responders, what have you, to try to impact what they're doing today or tomorrow. And that's the CPR-3.
1: That's great. And I know that in your training and your research, there's been quite a bit, or at least a sign that yoga is becoming more of a component of some of these new perspective and new thoughts around fitness and tactical readiness?
0: Yeah, so what's happening in the military right now is, I guess I'll back up a little bit and say that special operators, which include like your Navy SEALs and your Green Berets, Delta Force, Naval Divers, folks who are in those those fields are what we consider to be the elite athletes of, of the military world. And about 15 or so years ago, the special operation force units started realizing they needed to improve the readiness and the resiliency of those special operators. And they really looked towards what was happening in professional and elite athletics, where there's something called a high-performance model. And in that high-performance model, you have basically a team of professionals working with the team of athletes. So you've got your strength conditioning coach, physical therapist, athletic trainer, behavioral therapist, cognitive therapist, dietitian, and so on and so forth. So in the soft community, they started developing this high-performance model and saw that it was working. It was really improving the readiness of these warfighters, these special operators. And even more recently now, the military has adopted doctrine that's called Total Force Fitness. So this is across the Department of Defense. It's an initiative that's aimed at really improving the holistic health and fitness of all members of the military, not just the special operators. And it has different domains. It's got a physical domain, it's got a spiritual domain, it's got a cognitive behavioral domain, and so on. And then the U.S. Army, for example, has developed their iteration of that, which is abbreviated H2F, which is holistic health and fitness. And that is getting a lot of attention right now. The Army has been sort of the, the first to really roll out their version of total force fitness. So this is happening. Again, they're looking to what's been working in elite athletics and delivering that to the tactical athletes, the quote unquote human weapon system. Is now being prioritized in addition to the other weapon systems that we have, tanks and planes and bombs and so on. There's a real emphasis now on the human weapon system. And part of the beauty of yoga, of course, is that it provides the opportunity to interact with multiple elements of those either holistic health and fitness domains or total force fitness domains in a single PT session. So physical training session is the military term, is PT. So while the research on yoga in the military is, we would say there's a dearth of evidence, there's not a whole lot of evidence there, there is a lot of evidence to show its benefits in elite sport athletes. So that's where you're starting to see this trickle down of yoga from elite sport athletics into elite tactical athletes and now general tactical
1: athletes. Djokovic, Tom Brady, LeBron James, a lot of these big athletes across many sports, men and women, use yoga as a complement or a replacement depending on what their goals are. I read an article about Djokovic, the great tennis player. I think most of his workout is stretching and things like yoga versus other types of significant weight work. So A lot of those super alpha athletes and performers are totally into it. And I think it's very interesting that the military is now starting to take note, not just because top athletes are doing it, but also just the fact that, as you've said a couple of times already, there's an integrated physiology and multidimensional sense of wellness and fitness that yoga does offer.
0: Yeah. And we've even... With the CPR-3, we've begun doing some of that research. Uh, A couple of years ago, I had a cadet student who's now an officer in the United States Marine Corps, who actually just emailed me two days ago, and he said, Hey, Dr. B, I've got to deliver a lecture on energy systems. Do you mind sending (laughs) me a few of the slides that you showed me a few years ago? And I said, Sure, Brandon, here you go. So Brandon Hickey is his name, and he's probably one of the most, quote-unquote, squared-away cadet students I've ever had. I mean, the kid was just on it in every way. And he came to me and said, Dr. B, can we do a study of the benefits of yoga in our naval and marine ROTC unit here at the Citadel? And the commander of the unit at the time was totally supportive. And so we did, we did a yoga study. And while it didn't have a huge number of people in it, so from a biostatistical perspective, we didn't necessarily have sufficient numbers of people to detect Statistically significant changes in their physical and mental health, but everything was trending in that direction. So, among these young Marines and naval officers, we were able to see that doing yoga as a complement to their regular Marine or naval physical training program was beneficial, not just for their physical abilities, their abilities to pass their PT tests, for example, for their respective branch but also to improve some of their mental health outcomes like stress and anxiety and depression. And perhaps the best part about that is now I've got this young Marine officer in Brandon Hickey who's now starting to teach his Marines about yoga and do yoga with his Marines as part of their PT. So yes, we're doing some of that work at the Citadel trying to build some of that evidence base and and we'll continue to do some of that work. And it's just starting to happen Uh, across the military as well, just starting.
1: So let's go back to Brandon's question. He was asking for slides about energy, right? So what's he looking for? And what, what was the kind of stuff that he was looking to share to his team?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. In this particular instance, energy systems, what we're talking about is something that is highly and almost purely physiological. It's basically what substrates in the body, fat or glucose or glycogen, are we using to extract ATP to fuel muscular contraction? That's like kind of the surface of it. But basically what it means is, and I think most people are familiar with the fact that we've got sort of an aerobic system, an anaerobic system, that's the most basic. And you can break those down further into other quote-unquote energy systems, but it's basically how our body utilizes fuel in order to execute the task, the physiological task that's before us.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect answer because it provides an opportunity to connect the dots in the fact that people think about yoga as a means to be longer, more flexible or deal with back pain and that kind of stuff. But you get an energy lift doing yoga. And I think it's not only you you get an energy lift of doing a little bit of yoga, right? A great way to kind of naturally warm up your pulse and your alertness, It's also depending on the type of yoga you're doing, like restorative yoga is great for kind of rebalancing your energy. So sometimes when you get really fatigued, you're so wound up, you really have a tough time kind of coming down. There's other types of yoga that allow you to find that balance. And so the idea of doing yoga to regulate and improve energy levels is probably not what most people initially go to the class to do, but for those who are listening, it is something that's very true and very much a benefit. Let's go back briefly to the physical stuff. You and I have talked a bit about how do you roll up some of the physical benefits of yoga. Just quickly, are there two or three things that you think from your perspective that you see as the benefits of having a yoga practice?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and we can even connect this into the physiological energy systems talk we just had a minute ago. I would say first and foremost, it promotes flexibility in a healthy way. So having more extensibility of your soft tissue allows that soft tissue, the muscle tissue and so on, to be more powerful. So the more flexible you are, the better able you are to perform. So it promotes flexibility in an era and time when lack of flexibility, particularly around the hips, which can contribute to low back pain, and around the shoulders, which can contribute to neck pain, because we sit oftentimes for such prolonged periods of time, perhaps yoga's greatest benefit is that it promotes flexibility. And so in that, it will promote better performance. But what it also does is it builds strength. And when we talk about strength, I think a lot of your listeners might be familiar with the idea of quote-unquote fast-twitch or slow-twitch muscle fibers. So fast-twitch muscle fibers, which are predominantly anaerobic, in other words, they'll use anaerobic metabolic systems to fuel their muscular contraction. Those fast-twitch fibers are things we use for jumping, hopping, skipping, very short-duration activities, whereas slow-twitch muscle fibers are more aerobic in nature, and they're the ones that we use for long-term stability. So a lot of the muscles that we use to help maintain good posture, for example, are slow-twitch fibers. And when we sit for extended periods of time, a lot of those postural muscles get weak. And so by doing yoga, we do it over the course of a yoga session, maybe 30, 60, 90, 120 minutes that by its nature is an aerobic activity. And so we're strengthening those slow twitch fibers, those postural muscles that have to be able to do a relatively small amount of work, but for an extended period of time. If you think about the muscles, maybe that just support and stabilize the spine, for example. Those need to be able to work all day long, really, ideally, to help us get out of pain. So yoga by its nature is predominantly an aerobic, Based activity that helps strengthen those slow twitch fibers that are so critical to maintaining stability and control and strength that we need as a foundation for now maybe being able to do more explosive activities like jumping, hopping, skipping, throwing, and things like that.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. I literally noticed I was having a tennis lesson last week and I was realizing that some of the deeper awareness in my core, my hips was allowing me to hit the tennis ball better. More so because the rotation in your body was happening down in your hip and your core versus just the mid part of your back or your shoulders swinging at that ball. And that kind of awareness comes out of yoga. To go back to flexibility and strength It's one of the reasons why I find that sometimes your typical vinyasa flow class is not a great class to do as a new beginner because they're moving very quickly and there's not an opportunity in a lot of those classes for new students, many of them might be men, to really get into a steady flow. And you're right. Those are a little bit more fast twitchy. They're not probably like hitting a tennis ball or a slap shot in hockey or golf club or whatever, but you are not sitting in that posture for an extended period, you're moving in and out. And that's why I think slower vinyasa classes or alignment focus classes for men are great. Take a minute to get into the pose. Take a minute to see how you feel once you're in the pose and maybe drop a little lower or lean into a particular part of your alignment to engage certain muscles. And for those who are listening, realize that yoga is not the same and there's different benefits. And when you do it more, you start to really know what you want and how you want to use that class or that in-home session to focus on what you want to focus on. And to your point, Dan, about strength and those aerobic, slower twitch muscles, man, if you stay in a warrior two or a side angle pose or something for a minute, you're going to be shaking and you're going to be feeling that. And that is a workout.
0: It is a workout without question. And I think hear so much about the benefits of yoga and how good it is for us. And like anything else, it can also be bad for us if we don't do it right. And so like you were saying, Derek, I think especially if you're beginning, it would be similar to just going in and and just starting powerlifting and loading up a bar and seeing just how much you can lift with really poor technique. You're probably going to get injured. So by going into a really intense and maybe fast-moving vinyasa-type environment, there's greater potential for injury for the beginner in particular than doing, like you were saying, a class that's a little bit more based in holding postures for more extended periods of time where you can make those fine adjustments, get that tremble and shake in your muscles, and really get the alignment piece down. So that when you start moving a little bit more quickly, whether that's in a yoga environment or outside, like you said, hitting a slap shot or what have you, that foundation is really there. You were talking about hips earlier. And how many times have you watched something like the NFL Combine where the commentators are saying, oh, that guy's got great hips. And what they're referring to is the fact that they've got great mobility. And what that translates into is because they've got great mobility in their hips, they don't need as much mobility in their spine, which is a good thing because they're less likely to get injured. So to see an athlete with great hips means that that's probably an athlete who can perform better and perform for longer.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. In my experience, the greater stability and mobility I have in my hips, it's helped lower back and mid-back. I mean, really the whole spine. And I think when people have weak lower backs or they get into a lot of pain and discomfort, they tend to kind of energetically move in towards that midline. And you're really shortening all the muscles that really should be long and strong in your pelvis, in your hips, your lower back. You made a point about alignment. And I think what is good alignment and bad alignment? Well, your body's going to tell you. Hopefully the yoga instructor has an eye on you, can come over and give you some cues but having really good alignment comes from developing that awareness. And we're shifting a little bit into some of the physical benefits and some of the mental benefits. And I think having awareness in your body and really good proprioception for those who are familiar with the term, knowing where you are in space and what's happening in your body is a a physical and mental benefit, having that awareness and moving into some of the mental benefits. I would imagine that There probably isn't any other segment in our country other than maybe first responders than the military who are constantly having to develop tools and approaches for managing mental health and balance. And I think yoga can be great for dealing with anxiety and stress, dealing with depression and being more in tune to how your mind and your body feels. If your mind is upset, chances are that that's going to manifest in stress and tightness in your body. And that could make you more exposure to injury. So if you could just speak for a second a little bit about how this type of stuff helps for sort of the whole body wellness of the military or tactical athletes. Sure.
0: I think when we think about the mind and we think about what it does, it thinks. It spends its time almost all the time thinking about the past and it can become very busy and filled with thoughts that produce stress and anxiety and depression. What yoga provides is the opportunity to just be present, to be literally in the right here, right now. Because when you're in a downward dog position and you're being cued to drop your shoulders down away from your ears and draw your shoulder blades onto your spine, or you're thinking about the breath, you actually don't realize that you're not thinking about your bank account. You're not thinking about maybe what happened in theater, quote unquote, on the battlefield. You're not thinking about the past and the future. You're thinking about right now. How does my body feel? What is it doing? And then even better, being able to not sit in judgment of that, but to just notice it. We often judge ourselves so harshly, particularly when we're comparing ourselves to others. But when we can just take time to notice what's happening in our body, be really tuned into that, And do it without judgment. Just say, my right shoulder really is different from my left, or it certainly feels that way today. That's kind of interesting. And you sort of think about that over the course of being in a downward dog position for 30 seconds or 60 seconds. Basically, you've just been in a meditative state where you weren't thinking about all those outside stressors in your life. And you start to link together those periods of time where your mind is really focused on your body and your breath. And all of a sudden, you've quieted your mind for 45 or 60 minutes, which is something that outside of yoga or some of things can be very difficult to do. And that's one of the beautiful ways in which yoga can really help benefit us in a myriad of ways. So that's sort of the mechanism through which it can provide just being present, being in the moment.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of layer on top of that, the experience of Working into a pose. So, yeah, you've checked out of whatever you brought before you came to that studio class or whatever your practice at home. So, you're not thinking about X, Y, and Z. So, now you're actually in your yoga sequence or you're in the class and you're working yourself in and out of poses and you get into a pose and going to the breath. One of the cool things about the breath is that when you find an area of tension or tightness in a pose, or even no matter where you are, having that awareness that you're tight or tense. Learning to calm the breath and steady the breath and work into that place, it actually does work. For those who are doing yoga, when you get into a challenging moment, rather than bearing down like you're on the bench press in high school, just ceasing all breath to push up 240 pounds. In yoga, if you can soften breath in those areas of challenge and resistance, that's where your edge is. That's where your place is. And that really helps your body become much more tuned in, helps those tight muscles let go and let other ones kind of do their role. And I think that becomes super mindful, super meditative, and super constructive because you're not just balancing your mind and kind of taking a moment. You're actually knitting your body back in a healthier way. And that can be really helpful in overcoming those injuries that you've been hypercritical about because you injured your Achilles a couple of years ago on the right leg, not like the left leg. You can work through all that.
0: You can work through with all that. And again, the image I had, Derek, as you were talking was, as we think about the military, again, that of a sniper. A sniper has to be able to control her or his breath and be so quiet and so still in that moment just before they pull the trigger. So again, when we think about warfighter readiness and performance, Yoga can translate, just as it does in so many other ways, off of the mat into the things that we do in daily life that can be hugely beneficial.
1: Yeah, it's a unique example, certainly for this audience, because most of us are not in that situation. But to your point about off the mat, being able to become aware of what kind of decision you want to make in a given split second and what's going to be the impact of what you decide. I think that's the off the mat kind of awareness you can develop when you do have greater a sense for your body and your mind. And that might save a life, that might save you your job, that might save you regretting a decision that you make just moments later. So it's a great example.
0: You know, maybe a less extreme example is just how we interact with other people. So somebody cuts you off on the road, what's your reaction going to be? Chances are if, if you've just come from a yoga class you're probably not going to flip them off and honk the horn. "Ah, All right, go ahead. Whatever. You're in a hurry. So be it. Or similarly, if your kids are sort of pushing your buttons a little bit, what's your response going to be? Is it going to be one that you regret later because you raised your voice at them and you're so frustrated and whatever, and it led to a sort of an upset experience with your kids? Or are you going to be able to take it a little bit more in stride? So, yeah, I think that, again, I use a pretty extreme example, but there are a myriad of, like you said, little choices that we have during the day that can not only promote our own happiness and better being adjusted, but frankly, can have a ripple effect, too, with the rest of the world and how we treat people. Those are really great things. And frankly, we could use a lot more of that today, a little bit more compassion, kindness, understanding, empathy. And that can certainly be promoted on the mat and from the mat into your daily life.
1: Yeah. And it's not just a woo-woo kind of like lovey-dovey thing. I think it's people becoming aware and accountable for their actions and reactions to other people. And to your point, we're in a world now where it's just really important that everyone does try to have their best intentions, to be patient, to empathize with somebody else who's not in a good place today. And a lot of that can be cultivated in yoga. So, Dan, to, to kind of cir- throw it back to you as far as the military is in a place now where they're starting to integrate mind body awareness, sort of different types of fitness that is similar to yoga. What's your advice and suggestion to those who are listening, not just on why yoga is a great complement to what they're doing? But also think about just overall body health in the long run for recovery, resilience and other things that you have just so much exposure to day in and day out in your role.
0: One of the things I've said before and have said now for decades is knowing what the body needs and how the body needs to serve us changes over time. So in the military, for example, if you're a special operator or what have you, you, you do operate at a high operational tempo and you, your body is a machine that has work to do. It can be very demanding, same if you're a professional or elite athlete. And so the type of training that your body needs to carry out those tasks needs to be pretty high intensity as well. And yoga, again, can be a wonderful complement to a lot of that higher intensity type training. Inevitably, as we mature, physiologically mature, Derek and I, we may not have matured so much mentally, but we've certainly matured physiologically. I think just continuing to explore the types of movement and conditioning and training and even breath work, the things that are gonna best nourish your body for what it needs to be doing In that year, in that decade, are important to do. And again, they will change over time. So I think yoga is just a wonderful thing to experiment with in any phase because it can be so beneficial at all these different phases of our physiological life. So I would just encourage people to. Play with and experiment with yoga, among other things, but as a way to help their bodies perform optimally for whatever tasks are needed for that period of time in their life.
1: Well said. And the last little comment here is just the things that you and people envision doing today or tomorrow or next year. You work on this stuff now and it's going to help you tremendously over the next 10, 15, 20 years, too. Dan, Awesome to reconnect. Thanks again for joining us. And I look forward to continue the conversation down the road.
0: Anytime, Derek. I love the format. Love the work you're doing. Thanks so much. And hopefully we'll talk again. Awesome,
1: man. Be well.